podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello, welcome to Forest Focus. Nottingham Forest remain in the hat for the FA Cup after a pretty dour, well, very dour, nil-nil draw at Ashton Gate against Bristol City tonight. We'll discuss that and we'll touch on some potential transfer news around goalkeeping uh, in the company of, first of all, Mikey Clark. Mikey, good evening. How are you doing? Yeah, good. Not too bad, Matt. How are you? Yeah, not too bad. Well, I'll just tell, I'll tell the listeners what I told you guys before. My daughter's at a concert uh, singing and then my wife's on the way back to pick her up. And then my son literally just walked in about two minutes ago and said, I've just been sick. Um, so he's got horrible cough. And so uh, I've had to move beds around and all sorts. The standard stuff that you get on, on, uh, when you've, you've got kids and it's all terrible timing. But uh, that's all fine. So we'll crack on. Second guest is Chris Aylmer from the Forest All Over podcast. Chris, how are you doing? Yeah, yeah, I'm all right. Thanks. Um, I'm in a makeshift situation here with the bedroom right now. But uh yeah, yeah, I'm all right. I'm okay. A bit like the football team missing a few players. It all felt very makeshift uh, tonight. Uh, yeah, it'd be interesting to hear from you guys in terms of how down you are on that performance. Um, uh, Mikey, you're normally glass half empty, so I'll come to you first and see if Chris is more upbeat. I'm all right. I don't really know what I was expecting, really. I was, I was almost pleasantly surprised with the team. I thought he might make a few more changes, but he obviously, you know, what he used to do at Wolves, having that 15, 16 players that rotate, it, it, it's quickly becoming apparent who his favourites are, shall I say, or who his perceived starting 11 is. So arguably it was probably the strongest team, I'd say, we could have put out. Um, really great to see Gibbs White back on the bench as well. Again, unexpected at... Didn't expect to see him. How do I feel in general? Um, just a bit level. I'm, we're still in the hat, right? So all these people that say, oh, replay is the worst thing for us. No, it isn't. We, you know, we want to stay in as many competitions as we can. And whilst we, we're getting draws which are potentially winnable, then we want we want to stay in there. So it's much better than losing. It does mean an extra game, but that's just what it is. You know, there's an argument to say that a week or two ago, we might have lost that because they started chucking balls into the box, certainly middle of the first half. And I thought we dealt with them okay. Thought Turner did all right. That's kind of where I am. I'm not too up. I'm not too down. It was a poor game. Really poor. If you're a neutral and you're not emotionally invested into one of them teams and you stuck through that 90 minutes, then fair play to you. Because that, <laughs> that, that, that was a big achievement. It, it wasn't great. I thought we were poor... Just in general, I didn't think they were much better. And I think the draw is probably the right result and we get to do it all again. So let's hope that we get a decent crowd at home and we, and we put them out and then and then get a tie in the fifth round that uh, hopefully is a home tie and one we can win. But just one of them games, we just didn't really turn up, did we? But neither did they. It's just I'm just ambivalent about it all. Not mad, not too high, not too low, but we are still in the hat. So let's, you know, let's be thankful for that, I guess. You are far more upbeat than I than I thought. Um, yeah, at half time we were all very down. I like I put. I mean, I do think the second half was better, and we'll get into a few reasons. The first half was really, you know, lacking in quality from us, and we'll break that down more. But just generally, uh, what about you, Chris? How did you feel about it? Yeah, I mean, look, the, the, on the bright side, we came through without any injuries. Um, Bristol, if they ever had a chance to beat us, in my opinion, that would be it. Back at the city ground, it's going to be very, very difficult for them. We're going to have some players back for that game now, obviously, because there will definitely be players returning from Afghan because Senegal play Ivory Coast there on uh, Monday or Tuesday. Uh, you know, those are the positives. Obviously, the game wasn't great when you have a commentator saying, it's the night of the side nettings. That's when you know it's not the greatest game in the world that you're watching. But... Um, Ultimately, I'm not too downbeat because, like Mikey said, we're still in the competition and we've come out with it without any scrapes. Um, I think Nuno made some positive subs throughout the game. It just didn't work out. Um, but yeah, not the greatest performance. But I'm not. I'm not too downbeat. I suppose the thing that um, the, the the drop off that I felt that I haven't seen under Nuno before, Mikey, is that we've gone into a lot of games looking to be front foot and assertive. And we've looked like a Premier League team. And this is probably the first time where we've reverted back to what we saw 
a lot earlier in the season in the first half, particularly, well, especially the first. But we were very deep. Our passing was poor. Weirdly, I thought we looked really flat-footed and they were just ghosting past us. I don't really know particularly what was going on there. But um, is it just the one that you chalk up to, you know, an off night in general? We'll get into a few specific players, but an off night and you, you're pretty sure we'll be better against Arsenal when we're back on home turf against a team we should be really motivated against. Yeah, I'm convinced of it. I think somebody put on Twitter, and sorry, I should have name-checked you, that um, we're one of these teams that just morph into who the opposition is. So if we're playing, I think they said, if we're playing Barcelona, we'd give them a game. If we're playing Barney, we'd give them a game. So we just kind of like change our approach judging by who we're playing. And I just thought, I don't mean to be disrespectful because they didn't bring us down to their level. That's the wrong thing to say. But I just think if we were playing an Arsenal, for example, I just think we would have started that game 10, 15% quicker, faster. I think that first half an hour, you know what it reminded me of? You know, when you watch a boxing match and two boxers just sort of dance around each other for five or six rounds and don't throw a punch. And you're like, what, what is going on here? They seem reluctant to get the ball in the box and shoot. We seem reluctant to push players past Chris Wood and get it wide and get it in. And the first 30, 35 minutes, I was thinking, what is going on here? Nothing's happening. Like, are we just waiting? Are we just sort of like being too cagey? And what what really, su- not surprised me, I guess pleasantly surprised me, um, was at halftime he made those two substitutions, didn't he? He bought on Gibbs White, he bought on Nico Williams. And you could see almost immediately the change that those guys had in in tempo, in aggression, in stepping five, ten yards further up the pitch. And I thought we actually started the second half pretty well. And I thought, you know, our second half performance was much, much better. But that first half, I just thought we came out too passive, too flat-footed, as you say, Matt. It was almost like, well, let's just see what Bristol City have got. OK, they've got nothing. But then we, we didn't change it up a gear. And we almost lost a third of that match, just sort of, as I said, boxers just dancing around waiting for somebody to throw a punch. So, as Chris rightly put, though, you know, we didn't lose the game. We came out with no injuries. Morgan's back on the pitch. Turner didn't make a mistake, as far as I can remember. So, there are positives to take away from it. And I, and I agree with Chris. I think we'll beat him at home. And then you're into the uh, into the fifth round, aren't you? And anything can happen from there. Yeah, I thought Bristol City, were, would the, you can see, like, they've got a plan. And they've got a good coach, but they lack a cutting edge. I think they they were they were decent first half, and they passed it well. I suppose for me, Chris, I'd just like to have seen us like Mikey mentioned aggression there. Like, let's go and impose ourselves a bit more and try and put them on the back foot. We we let them have a lot of the ball, and when we did transition and get it, we we did create the odd thing. But there was a real lack of intensity. Maybe is that the word? I don't know. Well, particularly in that first half, we're looking to get the overlap going. Montiel and Nuno Tavares. I think you quite rightly put it in a message to me, Matt, that the wingbacks were awful first half. And it was the final ball from each of them that I found, you know, just really, really poor. Um, Montiel had two first, one first half, one second half, where he really, actually three, really big opportunities to get the ball across. He won a corner from one of them, but the other two he tried to turn in and it just didn't work out. And he's a better quality player than that. Um, and this is a Bristol side who are 13th, but they're about six points off the playoffs. So they they are they could put a run together and get in there. They're not a, a terrible team, but it's just you'd expect more from those wing backs. And that's the kind of quality we just didn't see. The only bright spark started to come in when Gibbs White came on and he lofted that ball over the second half for Wood or um, even Williams getting down the right-hand side a bit more second half. I, I think that the annoying thing for me is when, we, when you talk about imposing ourselves on a team, Mangala suddenly showed up at the back end of the game. Like suddenly he did two or three things that made me think, wait a second, he could just tear this team apart at any time he wants, you know? And and that's what really bothers me is, where was that from the off? Just put them to sleep, gut punch them twice and put them to bed. Back end of the game, he nearly created two goals. He cut the midfield open at one point. I was like, oh, here he is. He just decided to show up and that's not good enough. And Nuno... We'll, we'll we'll rightly say that as well after the game because you know he wanted to win that. Um, let's see, because a couple of comments just from the reaction. Uh, it's it's interesting. It's quite split. Um, initially, people were very downbeat, but the more you go um, through it, people seem a lot a, a bit more um, more confident around. You know, like uh, Tony says, we should beat them at the City Ground. Um, Danish radio was going to be a struggle. We didn't interested at all. I don't know if it's. I don't know. I, I always think. Players are interested. 
Um, so I don't know what happened. It was just a lack of, like I said, intensity, maybe. Uh, I'm not sure. Like, yeah, people are pretty upbeat. Clean sheet. I saw um, Matt Kane saying first clean sheet since the Villa game, um, which is probably true. Um, underwhelming, but happy to avoid the injuries, as Brendan says. So there's real mixed sentiments. Um, let's talk about Montiel. Mikey, it was inter- interesting that on Thursday we touched on it with Pete and Temps around Montiel v Williams not being quite the settled debate it's seen. Like, I mean, Montiel first half, I don't know, there was one instance where I don't, literally didn't know what he was doing where he charged forwards and the guy was just ran in behind him. Uh, it, I don't know what's going on. Like if Nico Williams played like that, I know Twitter would be going absolutely mad is what I'm kind of getting towards. But where are you at on Montiel? I'm probably slightly different. I like him, and I, I know what um, I know. I know what bit you were saying because I shouted at the TV, "What are you doing?" Like, honestly, where are you going? Um, so he's caught that position. However, there was a bit in the second half where they got in behind us and pulled it across, and it was Montiel that was there to clear. So I, I just think he's just think you've got to cut him just just a little bit because he's he, he, he's he's obviously very new to the country. He's played at a very, very high level, and I think he will only get better. He will. He's one of them that I like his aggression. I like his overlapping, as Chris said. And I do genuinely think a run in the team, you'll see what he's all about when it comes into sort of February, March. And and then if we think Williams is better, then perhaps is that debate to have. But, you know, we we were all sat here three, four weeks ago saying Nico Williams is is not a fullback. He's he's more of a wingback. And it's interesting that Nuno, the last two times, has brought him on, has played in that wide right with somebody in behind him. So that is probably one down to our lack of options and injuries and AFCON. But two also, you know, he could have started Williams today at right back, but he didn't. So he started Montiel. And I think the back four that we finished with is probably the back four that we're going to start on Tuesday with Arsenal. And I'm all right with it. I like Montiel. I know he's got a booking in him. But you've got to remember, I think his ceiling is quite high. He's played at the highest level. Everyone knows what he's done, right, with the winning penalties and all that sort of stuff. But he's trusted enough to play in those big, high echelon games. So Bristol City away, he's probably thinking, what's what's gone off here? But I think when he plays the Arsenal, Arsenal at home, you've got to remember, how good was he against Newcastle? How good was he against Manchester United, setting up that first goal? He could be one that just rises to the big occasion. So keep him in the team. I think we know what our back four is going to be. And I um, I like him. I'm slightly on the other end of the, of the scale with you guys. I certainly wouldn't put Williams at right back because I'm still under the view that he is much better offensively. Um, and maybe you do have a, a, a Montiel and a Williams on that right-hand side. You know, that could work, especially, like I said, with, with the lack of options we've got. But no, I like Montiel. I'm going to firmly nail my colours to the mast. I think he's all right. Um, we'll come back to Williams because I thought he was a positive. And Montiel did have a better second half. I think one of the things about him is he kind of sums up a bit what we are as a team. Like his ceiling is high, like the United game and the Newcastle game is really good. But then the floor is quite low, like that first half where you're thinking um, the commentator is like basically saying, what's he doing? That's kind of where we are as a bit as a team, I think. We can play really poorly. We can play really well. I'd like to, the you know the, the the gap to be a bit a, a bit lower uh, between the two, and obviously you want us to be playing as well as you can. What about Tavares, Chris? He can't play against Arsenal, so Toffolo will come in for that one. But um, he's not. <laughs> I think the comments are less divided about Nuno Tavares. Uh, I, I must admit, I know as Greg Orm says, no, thank you. I think he's seen enough, and probably a few others have. Where? What's your take on on Tavares? I just think that you expect a player to have played at the high level that he has. And I think he's, is he only 24 still? But like, I, I, he's not 24 that today. old. Happy birthday yeah. as we absolutely batter him. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I just think you expect a player to have played as, at a, as high a level as he has to produce so much better, uh, particularly with the final ball, particularly with the overlap. Um, I know there was, you know, a couple of moments in the first half, I think he had a slip. I mean, that's that's unfortunate. And then the ball was taken away from him. They were on the attack. You can't blame him for things like that. But for me, it's we know his defensive abilities aren't there. We know Toffolo's are. It's it's the um for me, it's it's I, I expect way more quality with the final product, uh, particularly from a player of, of his standards or uh, supposed standard anyway. And for me, I just haven't seen it. I haven't seen it in any game. I haven't seen it at any stage. I'm not trying to lay into him. I just you know, every left-back option has been better than him so far. 
Ain has been better than him. Toffolo has been better than him. There's been points where Williams switched to the left at one point, I think, and even he was better than them. So I think that's kind of how we have to hang our mast out and say, that's it. You know, I think it's it, when Aina comes back, he'll be way down the pecking order. But I mean, he might be gone by then. Who knows? Um, but yeah, don't lay into him. It's just, it's just, it's not showing it, and that's not enough. We don't have time to wait for someone to prove to us what they should be. I suppose that, like Chris says, Mikey, he's got talent. So he does moments in games where he looks really good, but then defensively, like there was an incident in the first half where he dangles a leg, gets beat, and runs back, gives a foul away. Actually, if he's a bit more defensively sound, then he doesn't give the foul away and doesn't put us in trouble. And I think that's where the the frustration is with him. I mean, do you think we can develop him as a Premier League left back, or, or do we, are we going to have to move on and you know, you know, come back as soon as he can, or Lorena type thing? Well, at halftime, my my mate James texts me four words and he says, "What is a Tavares?" Question <laughs> mark. <laughs> I think that was a general. I can't answer it. There was a general consensus in the way. And um, yeah, I'm with you guys. And I think you mentioned it on a on a previous podcast, Matt. Around um, he'd be really, really suited to a team that has the majority of possession, play 10, 15 yards further up the pitch than we did, and he could go on the overlap all the time, because I think that's that's his game. The risk playing for Forest is we ain't that team at this moment in time. We spend the vast majority majority of the game in our own half defending. Um, I guess one of the positives is he is quick on the break. So I guess there are some games where he could be really useful. But I think defend first and foremost. And for, and for a team that, you know, this is our first clean sheet. Somebody said it before um, since Villa. You've got to you've got to be better defensively. You, you just have. You've got two twenty-one-year-old centre backs at the moment. I think I think they're both twenty-one. Yeah, they really are. Yeah. Got a keeper with loads of question marks over him. So that's spine. That spine protecting the goal is really inexperienced and lacking confidence. You can't afford to have a fullback that is not very good defensively and he isn't. He's much better going forward. So I think if we were playing, I think when he got rec- recruited, there was still an argument to say we were going to play wing backs and he would have been way more suited to that. Way more suited. But at, where we are right now in our evolution, um, I just don't think he fits. I'd be very surprised if we get to Thursday. Well, Thursday, one minute past 11, and he's still here. If, if I'm being honest, I think they'll look to move him on with a few others. It does leave us potentially short, but as Chris quite rightly said, and it made me think a little bit, every single person that's played in that position this season, I think, has been better than him, including Williams. I think you're right, yeah. Chris. So I think I think they probably will let him go. Uh, thank you to Oliver for becoming a member. Very much appreciate that. And if you are new, do uh, consider subscribing. And if you could help us out by putting a like on the video, that would be very much uh, appreciated as well. It was interesting at half time, Chris, that he hooked uh, the two players who've been booked, Dominguez and Yates. I mean, you could probably make a case to have hooked quite a few more. Was that Nuno looking towards the Arsenal game and making sure we don't pick up any silly bands when we're so thin on the ground, do you think, mostly? Yeah, well, because I think before half time, I was messaging you saying FA Cup red cards count towards the league, don't they? Do double yellows? And, you know, I was asking that question. I didn't quite know the answer because I know they do in the League Cup. Um, and I know straight reds do, but double yellows probably do as well in the FA Cup. So, yeah, I think that was smart. smart but also, uh, I think Dominguez and Yates, Yates was doing all right first half considering, but um, I think both of them weren't offering enough. And I think, as Mikey pointed out at the start of the show, as soon as Gibbs, White and Williams came on, it changed the momentum of the game immediately. Um, And it's not even just them being on the ball. It's the fear of Williams getting down the wing. It's the fear of Gibbs, White breaking through the middle. It changes the opposition's mentality. So I think think it was smart, positive subs from Nuno. um, And to do it at halftime, make a statement, say, listen, I'm going for this. I'm not going to sit back and hope that my Premier League side just beats this championship team into submission when they're not playing well. He was he was he was right to do it. Positive substitutes and the changes definitely helped initially anyway. Would you have taken anyone else off, Mikey, or do you think Nuno did the right thing in the circumstances with with one eye very much on Arsenal and avoiding silly suspensions? Did exactly what I would have done. So whether that's the right thing or not, it's a different debate. <laughs> well he probably knows more than us, but yeah. No, I'm like pragmatic. Um <laughs> Yeah, I think he did the right thing. I was I was pleasantly surprised that he bought, um, like I said, Gibbs White and Williams on at half time. I thought I made a statement. I think Chris is spot on. Um, we're going to try and win it, and then to make that one other change 
to go with what will be his back four uh, on Tuesday for the last half an hour. Really smart. You look at what he had left on the bench, right? He's got Joe Worrell, seeing as I'm sat in the Joe Worrell shrine here. This is Lindsay's office with the Worrell pictures up. So best mention him. Um, Joe Worrell, Scott McKenna, um, and then you had uh, Aguilera and then a couple of um, youth players, didn't you, and the goalkeeper. So he's not mm. really got much else. So the fact that he bought on those three players and still had half an hour left, I think shows his intent to try and win the game with what he has. He could have bought Aguilera on, but I think he probably hopped back to the last away performance at Brentford where he was just running around a bit like a headless chicken, wasn't he? Bless him. But I do think he's a good player, but he just thought, actually, let's just let's not lose this because it's much better to be in the hat, get him back to the city ground, turn him over there, and then we, then we roll on. What we don't want is for them to break down the right-hand side. And, it, and, and also, you know, he's, he's, he's probably looking at that Williams-Montiel partnership for Tuesday because let's just say we're winning or drawing with 10, 20 minutes left. Arsenal are going to chuck the kitchen sink at us if they haven't already. So he's probably thinking, I want another 10, 20, 30 minutes looking at that just to see how they can combine because that's probably the most pragmatic right-hand side we can probably have on Tuesday. So I think, in answer to your question, gone around the house a little bit, I think he did smart substitutions, positive substitutions with what he had on the bench. And I think the only other one really can make a case for is Aguilera. But like I said, he probably hopped back and thought, let's not risk it. We're not losing the game. We don't need to chase it. Getting back to our place, beating there. Uh, let's just take a quick sponsors break. Uh, we'll play a video. It's uh, 15 seconds long. So if you want a distraction from what was a pretty boring game, we shall see you in, well, it's actually 17 seconds. We shall see you on the other side. Uh, that was, of course, for our sponsors, the Trent Navigation. So we appreciate their support as ever. Uh, so do get down there if you can. Uh, so we a couple more positive things then, um, Chris. Well, I mean, let's talk about... Um, we'll come back to turn. I was going to say turn. We'll leave that to the end because the Forest are interested in another keeper. Well, Gibbs White returning, I think, ahead of schedule, it's fair to say. I mean, we're so short on body. We look so short in attack. To, to have him back creating something... Uh, it's just a, it is a massive boost, isn't it? Yeah, it is a massive boost, and I think the thing that um, I love most about it is you know the moment I, I saw him on on the screen, you know, take his training top off and get ready to put on the new jersey. You could tell he was so up for it, even though it's an FA Cup game down in Bristol. You've got Arsenal coming up midweek. He was so up for it, uh, and he created stuff immediately. Looked really bright, but him coming back early is is a massive positive. I'd take Alanga back for the Arsenal game if we could as well, because we need all the threat we can get. Um, huge boost for us, huge boost for us. But it just it's mad to think how light we are. Um, and I know we knew this was coming with the Afghan stuff, and I know we we assumed injuries would be coming. But when you look at the bench, and you're like, wow, we really are like really really light. And when you take Gibbs White out of the equation, like we, we had to last week. It's um, or was it was last two games really. It's kind of it was kind of a scary thought because it's like where is our creativity coming from? Uh, and that's that's the, that's the big scare is who's Gibbs White's backup when he's not playing? Uh, and I think we need to kind of figure that out a little bit, you know? Yeah, we need to address that potentially with Raina signing, and obviously we don't want to. And there's all the talk of Gibbs White being linked to the movie, but I really can't see him going uh, unless it's absolutely mental money. Um, what do you make of Hudson Adoy, Mikey? I wasn't going to talk about him, but like Chris says, our lack of creativity. Uh, he has very bright moments, and then he has frustrating moments. I don't know. What's your what's your verdict on him so far? Oh, he really needed that goal tonight, didn't he? Yeah. If, if, if he puts that one in, that Gibbs White creates him in the second half, I just think it it just lifts his mood and changes his confidence. I think he's a confidence player. I said this the other week when I was on. He's got all the skill and all the technique in the world. You know, you don't do what he's done. England squad, be linked to all these moves, play for Chelsea. If you, well, actually, you might do if you're rubbish. These days, Chelsea got so many players. But he, he is a, he's a really good footballer, and he just needs that spark, that kick. I think he'll get it with a run of games. I really like him. I think the, the future of our three behind the one is Hudson Odoi, Alanga, Gibbs White, and they are three young, 
20 something year olds or with the future of their careers ahead of them quick pacey dynamic that is frightening if we can get those three on the pitch consistently for 10 15 20 games we'll be absolutely fine the only way you're going to do that is to give Callum a run, run of games and also you've got to remember what options we got you know today we ended with uh, a right back or a right wing back playing on the right hand side where you normally play an inside forward or a winger and our only other option is a 20 odd year old kid that's had about five minutes of football so we haven't got anybody else but I think it will work to his benefit Callum Ossinador I think you just got to keep playing him keep faith and he's one that can just flick a switch remember the um, cross against Brentford say remember it was just a couple of days ago that's what he's capable of and I just wish he would have buried that today because then you're talking about one assist one goal two games is on a roll and it's just those small fine details but I think if he just keeps keeps going in the team keeps trying to influence games, keeps trying to be positive, take his man on, get the ball in the box. Yeah, it'll, it'll be fine. He just needs that flick. And who's to say it's not going to come on Tuesday? Because we'll get chances against Arsenal at home and, and he could be one of the main men that either creates them or finishes them. So I'm a hudson Adoy fan, as you can tell, Matt. just think we just need to stay, stay, stay patient with him and back him because he will come good because he's got all the talent. Can yeah, I he has double... moments. Yeah. Go on, please, Chris. You no, know, I was just—I was just going to say, can I just double down on that? I saw some comments coming through from people saying, you know, he's unreliable, and someone else said, no, he just needs more games. But uh, what I think is, I think he's a confidence player, like any player. But I think more importantly, he—he he needs confident players around him. So when you have a Langa, Gibbs White, you have some quality in the team. You'll see the best of Hudson Adoy. You'll see him blend in for half the game, and then the other half of the game really turn it up. And I think once those players start to come back, we'll see the best of him. I don't think Hudson Adoy wants to be a Gibbs White. He doesn't want to be the man in a game because Gibbs White's happy to take the whole team by the scruff of the neck and drag it over the line. I think Hudson Adoy wants to be one of the men in the team, but surrounded by other really confident players, and that sort of lifts his game. He came into the game a lot more when Gibbs White came on. Did you notice? So yeah. I, I, that's just one thing I wanted to say. I just feel like he is re a really important piece of the jigsaw puzzle, but once some of those really important players come back. I think he's the most vulnerable of the three that Mikey mentions in terms of retaining his place because Langer's absolutely smashed it for us, uh, especially recently, and then Gibbs White's integral. So if we were to sign, excuse me, a Rayner or uh, a Forbes or someone else, I would say Hudson Adoy is the most vulnerable of the three to lose his place, but I do think he's got, uh, yeah, he's got all the talent. Like he set up that goal for Chris Wood at Brentford, didn't he? When he didn't really do too much in the game, but he has that moment of quality where he whips a good cross in and he can beat his man and he does drive to the box. But um, yeah, I think there's more. There's more to come from him, which is a positive and a negative in the sense we haven't seen everything he can do, but I think we'll see more from him uh, in time. Um, I don't think there's too many other players to talk about. We've mentioned Nico Williams. Uh, I thought he was he was bright when he came on, and he's pushing for a start. Um, Matt Turner, Mikey. I mean, I actually thought he had a competent game. I know the bar has been quite low for him recently, but I don't remember any horrific kicks. He came and took the ball quite well once, uh, and he, he's done all right. I mean, you know, I'm not saying he's had a great game, but like Mark said on these uh, streams recently what you want to come out of a game is let's not talk about a goalie being a factor in the goal. And obviously we kept clean sheet, so he hasn't, but was he all right for you? Good. Well, where, where's the bar on Turner's performance tonight? <laughs> oh, blimey. Um, yes. No, I think you're right. Um, yeah, it was all right. It, it did, didn't make a mistake, did it? I think I was very surprised that they didn't press him as much as I thought they, they would do. Um, you could hear the Bristol city crowd basically going, Oh, every time he got the ball, and they, I think they ex um, expected, should I say, their team to put more of a press on him. So he, he wasn't really pressured more than sort of one, once or twice that I can remember. But like you said, Matt, give him credit, didn't make a mistake. I thought he came for crosses okay. He, he did the one where he, he sort of pedaled back in the second half and tipped it away. At the start, I thought he'd made a mistake, but when they showed it again, he actually did well to get a touch on the ball, so fair play to him. And I just think you can, there's two ways of looking at it, right? You can, you can think, oh, another game. We didn't beat a championship team. We didn't look very good, which is which is true. <laughs> but the way I'd like to look at it is we've got a goalkeeper who's been making a load of mistakes, didn't make one tonight. We've got two 21-year-old centre-backs who haven't kept a clean sheet, kept a clean sheet tonight. You know, we've got Morgan Gibbs-White who wasn't expected back. He is back. 
and we're still in the hat. So that's kind of where I'm at. And I think hopefully we'll look back on this and, and say, yes, it was a, a positive step in our progression this season. And if we don't sign a new goalkeeper, I think we will. <laughs> but if we don't, then he's going to be the number one. So even a game like this where he can go to bed tonight and think, I didn't mess up. I didn't mess up this time. I kicked it right. I saved everything. And I, I, I came and, and, and took crosses. And, and a couple of kids in front of me kept a clean sheet. Even if it improves his confidence by 1%, then it's a bonus. So I think that's that's the way we've got to look at it. But I do think we'll sign a, a goalkeeper. I'd be astonished if we don't sign a goalkeeper. Um, mm. I don't know what you, you guys think of it. You, you've seen all the stats. We know what we can see with our eyes, right? Oh, I've had my say. I think, yeah. It, it, even if he had an absolute worldie tonight, I still think we'd have, we'd have to sign a goalie. I mean... Mm-hmm. Um, before I come to Chris as well, I think people are quite down tonight because, frankly, like you said, Mikey, it was a really boring game. Like, there was no entertainment value in it at all. No, very little quality. So, once you, you know, you can make your list of pros and cons and uh, the ones you make are quite right around, you know, no injuries, clean sheet, players back from injuries, but we, we just weren't, you know, and it just wasn't, are you not entertained? As Russell Crowe said, no, not really, we weren't. So, uh, that's probably why people are pretty disappointed. Well, what about you on goalkeepers before we get on to Galaxy, um, Chris? Well, I, I, like everyone else, have been critical of Turner's mistakes the last you know couple of months. Um, but I think at the end of the day, Mikey's right. If 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 we don't sign a keeper, he's our number one, and therefore we have to back him. And even if we do sign a goalkeeper, he's our number two. And we've seen how quickly and easily the last couple of years we've had keeper injuries or suspensions and we've had to bring in the second goalie quite regularly. Um, so I think that we do need to back him. I think a clean sheet is positive for his mindset tonight. Like Mikey said, didn't make any mistakes. I thought the exact same thing Mikey did with that one thing where he pounded away. I thought, why didn't he catch that? But then realized it was actually a good save and a smart decision. Um, yeah, I, I, we do need a goalkeeper. Definitely. We do. But, um, I think now we've got to start getting ourselves into that mindset of, okay, well, he's definitely our number two or our number one. So we need to to back him and, and just just hope that he doesn't make him six. The one thing I will say really quickly, Matt, is did you notice how, um, Mikey, sorry, did you notice how um, their goalkeeper took the ball out of the air with one touch pass? It was like really good with his distribution, was really high up the, the pitch whenever we tried to do the through ball. And I was just thinking, gosh, that's it. It's a championship keeper with his feet. I don't even know if it's their number one keeper, and he's he's he looks really competent on the ball. I'm like, God, can we? That's all I'm kind of expecting from Turner is just give us a little bit more confidence when you're on the ball. But no, he had a good game, and uh, yeah, I think either way, number one, number two, it's it's time to try and and back him and, and get behind him. But you're right, we, we do need another keeper. How have we don't yeah, chip in because that's how it made me laugh. How have we got five keepers and we don't want to play any of them? Because Shelby needs to go out on loan because he needs some experience. Hennessy, don't know what's happened to him. He's just, he's just third choice and doesn't seem to get a game. Horvath isn't registered or wasn't. He seems to be linked away. Like, Cody Moss's positioning is awful. And then we've got Matt Turner. How have we got five goalkeepers? And then we're struggling to pick one to play. I think it's crazy. And, yeah, you're right, Chris. I've watched a lot of football. And um, my eyes are now drawn to the goalkeeper and how comfortable they look on the ball. So I watched them. Um, <laughs> I watched Hartlepool versus, uh, I don't know who they played. Uh, who's Phil Brown in charge of? Is it Kidderminster? Kidderminster. I'm telling you, honestly, they, their keepers look more comfortable on the ball. <laughs> Certainly Kidderminster's. So I'm not saying he's that level. It's just you, your eyes are attuned to it because you're so nervous when the ball goes back to his feet. You, you constantly, there's been so many mistakes, you constantly think something's going to happen. So I'll be, you know, we can see it, everybody can see it. You, you know, everybody in the world knows that we're in for a goalkeeper. And I'll be astonished if the analytics people at Forest and the management and the, the people in charge of the club haven't said, do you know what, if we buy one player, it has to be a goalkeeper. And it has to be somebody, not to make it number six goalkeepers that we can't play, it has to be somebody that's a number one, that is confident, that is experienced, and is comfortable with his feet because goalkeeping has completely changed in the last sort of 10, 15 years, hasn't it? It used to be about shot stopping, how big you were. Remember Peter Schmeichel, how big you can spread yourself. Now it's about are you the 12th man at the back and can you pass it? And it's, I'm not necessarily a big fan of that, but I just think that's the reality in the league that we play in. Every attack 
starts from the back and ours and ours doesn't because we're so nervous and it affects it affects everything about our game so like i said i don't want to be harsh on what we have even though that was really harsh on me but i do think you know if we're sat here at one minute past 11 i don't know what you're doing on deadline day might if you're going to do something but if i'm on and it's one minute past 11 and we haven't signed a goalkeeper i'm not going to be positive like i was tonight so it happened uh, yeah, we'll be here at one minute past eleven on deadline day. In fact, we'll probably the plan is to be here for about nine till uh, I don't know a, qu- a quarter past eleven or something on deadline day. Obviously, we know that you have the um, is it Kamal Grzycki? I can't remember his name. The player who was it was all we always tried to sign. He got his stuck in the fax machine for about three windows in a row. But yeah, we'll be here on deadline day certainly. And let's talk about the player that we have been linked with briefly. Um, after it was I think it was Fabrizio Romani, of course, who tweeted that we're after a keeper. Um, I'll probably say this wrong. Peter Galaxy, um, the Hungarian keeper who uh, started his career at Liverpool. He's had a really good career in the Bundesliga, 33 years old, obviously knows the game. Uh, on the negative side, he's missed a year of football with a knee injury uh, and he hasn't played at all this season, but he is fit again. So uh, I guess it's the signing, the kind of signing you make in January, <laughs> is it, Chris, when you're, you're absolutely <laughs> desperate and the CV looks good, but then you think, oh, Hang on, this guy hasn't yeah. played for a year. Is that where we're at? Uh, yeah, it is, unfortunately. I just think it's hilarious because when, when I first saw that we were linked with them, and I was like, oh, this player, who is this? And I, I kind of didn't really know anything too much about him. And then you start to do a bit of Googling and a little bit of research. Oh, he's a big injury recently. Okay, well, that's okay. Oh, 33, 34, well, that's okay. A couple more years of him. Oh, was he Leipzig's number one? Well, he's not anymore. Um, you know, 50 caps for Hungary. He's not still their number one, though. But, I mean, that all might be tied into the injury and just being out of favour right now. Like, he is a good goalkeeper. He has a very good career. I noticed he had he had a contract at Liverpool for a few years um, when he was starting out. You don't get that for nothing. Do you know what I mean? Um, he looks to be a good goalkeeper. But, like, Mikey, Matt, all, everyone on Forest Focus and every other Forest podcast has said the same thing for the last few weeks. If we're looking to get a goalkeeper, there have to be a marked, marked improvement on what we have. And I don't know if he is. I know he was probably, but, you know, again, bringing in a keeper who's just come back from, as you said, like a fairly big injury. Is that is that the right move? I don't know. I don't know because I don't know anything about him, but I know that we, we need a keeper that's going to be levels above and we did Navas last year I'm not saying we can do Navas again but we need to do something like that to 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 raise an eyebrow you know I suppose that's the thing isn't it Mikey we don't know really we just have to trust in the recruitment department that you know we're goalkeepers that's done really well with some and you know fair to say less well with others we just don't know do we no we don't <clears throat> that's the worry so oh I'll try and be positive the people that picked these last few goalkeepers, I don't want them picking this one. It needs to be the people that picked um, Dean Ennison and Bryce Samba if they're still around. I'm not sure they are. But um, I don't want to get somebody in just because, just for the sake of it. You know, we definitely need a new goalkeeper. This guy's not played for a year. I'll, I'll get him in. He used to be good. There needs to be a bit more thought in it than that. And it's a big, wide world. How many goalkeepers are in the are they in the world? But he loads. There, there must be one that wants to come to Nottingham Forest that can play with his feet and, and is commanding and, and doesn't break the bank. There has to be. You know, we've got a good scouting network, got some great contacts. There has to be one that can be a slight upgrade, even if it's a short term, to see us through to the end of the season like we had last season. So, um, yeah, trusting them. Hope, hopefully they can bring somebody in. Um, I was going to say, Matt, if you're doing deadline day, are you going to have a yellow tie then? Or are you not no. <laughs> no, who's a mark that I've got to do that? Um, so, yeah, I was just going to say. So, um, yeah, I think um, I think we all know we need a goalkeeper. I, I suspect that there'll be more than him linked. You know, I don't think we're just going to put all our eggs in one basket because of the the um, urgency of the situation. I think we'd be absolutely mad to say this is the guy we want, and absolutely we're going to get him. I, I just think things can fall through, as you know, um, around deadline day, and then you get all the dominoes falling when one breeds the next breeds the next so it could be that maybe one's not on the radar right now but in the next 24 48 72 hours one does become available because of that very thing that i said when teams start to make a move the dominoes fall and you might get agents ring you up and say actually we know you want a goalkeeper how about this guy here so let's just not get one in just because we need to get one in it needs to be the right person is what i'm saying 
Have I played the video to say like and subscribe, the seven-second one? Oh, I'm just going a bit no, mad. No. no, you haven't. Right, I'm going to do that now. Right. Okay, well, do us a favor. Like and subscribe. Here's the video. That probably means I think I'm getting like um, dementia or something. So I thought I'd done that. But uh, no, clearly not. Let's begin to wind down then, final few minutes. How are you feeling, um, Chris, about first the replay and secondly the Arsenal game next, which is up on Tuesday? Um. <sighs> Not too bad, really. You know, I, I was actually watching the game, the Bristol game with Matt, who's my co-host on, on the other podcast I do. And he um, he said to me, tell Matt that we, we should lay into this team for this. He was in a really bad form going into it. And I promised him I would, but I don't feel like I'm going to, to be honest. I, I think that, you know, there is, we have to take positives from this. We are missing a load of players. We did keep a clean sheet. Two 21-year-old centre-backs looked relatively comfortable they should but they did and uh i think going into the arsenal game like i'm always positive against arsenal for some reason because we've beaten them the last three times at the city ground but obviously we're missing a load of players and that's going to have a serious effect it just it, it depends how we show up on the on the day but i don't know i'm not feeling i'm not feeling too down i'm not feeling too down i think we will win the replay at home i think we'll beat arsenal midweek even with the team we have um and yeah, I'm I'm actually I'm actually feeling fairly fairly up after that really woeful, horrible watch that I had earlier. So yeah, not feeling too bad. Mikey, what about you? Um that was very positive, Chris. That was, wasn't it, mate? Um <laughs> it's yeah, rare for me. It's rare for me. So I'm trying to I'm trying to finish on a, on a high. No, good on you. <laughs> I think um I half agree with you. I think we'll we'll win the replay. I think um I tend to think that was Bristol City's chance. Uh, I think you'll get a big crowd at the city ground. It'll be on a weeknight in, I think, not next week, week after. And I think Nuno's already shown he's going to play pretty much his first team. So I think we'll have too much for him. And I think I think that's a positive. Arsenal, different kettle of fish. You know, there was that stat around, they scored, what, 40% of their goals, is it, from set pieces? Something like that? 40, 45. 45. Oh, my word. Okay, so, so we know our issues, right? So I, I shall predicts that if somehow we can start winning some aerial duels and we might have a new keeper in by then you don't know um we will get something i'm not saying we'll win it's just our record against arsenal at home um is pretty good recently and like i said at the start you know this this forest team ever since i've watched them really morphs into who they're playing against so when you're playing against the big teams they tend to raise the game and under the lights at the city ground um, is, is, a, is a total uh, different um, atmosphere and feeling than what we got tonight. So I think the crowd can be a huge factor on Tuesday. Uh, I think Arsenal will have memories of some of the last time they came here when basically we ended their title chances. We also knocked them out of the cup, didn't we? So I don't think they'll particularly enjoy it coming here. And I think the longer we can keep it tight and if the guys stay switched on and Gibbs White's going to be back on the pitch, you know, there's a lot of optimism there. So just try and stay in the game, cut out any any silly mistakes, and we should have players on the pitch to, to nick it. I fancy us to maybe get a draw. I fancy us to get something. I think we will. I think the crowd will push them over the line because this city ground crowd is going to be so important. You know, you look at some of the games we've got coming up at home, uh, absolutely huge. And we, although we've improved away this season, we're still not, you know, picking up those regular wins. So, our home form is going to be absolutely crucial to make sure we pull away from that back three, uh, uh, from that bottom three. Sorry, yeah, and I fancy it's Tuesday. I think we'll draw. We'll get a draw. What do you think, Matt? Uh, do you think we're going to win? No, um, <laughs> I'll tell you why. I think we'll win the replay. Uh, we'll beat Bristol City. I think you know when you play these teams uh, from the league below, their best chance is always at home. And I fancy us at home. I think we'll play better. I thought we were way off what we can be. Uh, tonight i'll tell you why i don't think we'll win on tuesday like i said earlier i don't know what we're going to get from the team when they walk out i think that's probably the bit of the worry like we we we've been really good in games under nuno especially the start but um we shot ourselves in the foot against brentford and we were disappointing tonight so i think we'll play better against arsenal uh, and we'll turn up to be fair my worry against Arsenal is the set-piece thing, to be honest. I do try and be honest. Um, the 45% includes penalties, so that's a bit of a red herring. But um, I watched uh, Gabriel um, 
really closely in the last game because me and Chris have both got him in FPL and he absolutely abused Chris Richards, the Crystal Palace defender at set pieces. Uh, and he's a big aerial threat and we just can't defend corners into our box. So whoever marks him is going to have a, a tough game because he scored twice uh, in that match, even though one was given as an assist, which me and Chris are raging about. So that's my that's worry crazy. is just, I know, I know, set pieces against Arsenal uh, is what, what worries me. But um, I don't think we'll lose. But I think, like Mikey, I think we'll get a draw because we turn up at home. We play well. We do have a bit of the the hoodoo over Arsenal, which I, shouldn't be a thing. But I do think it is a bit. Like Bournemouth seem to always have our number. And maybe we do have something on Arsenal. So I think we'll get a draw. But I just worry about us so much defending set pieces that, being honest, uh, I think they'll score against us. And, um yeah, I don't, I don't think we'll win. But, I mean, both of you would gladly take a draw, wouldn't you, against Arsenal, Mikey? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, anything against the, you know, so-called top teams, even at home, you, you take because, you know, seven, eight, nine times out of ten, you, you don't get anything. That's why they're top. That's why they're always in the top four. That's why they're challenging for every um, competition out there. You know, and Arsenal are, have been eating at the top table for numerous years now. And if you look at the, the amount of talent on the pitch... And the, and the weapons they have and, and, you know, the challenges they'll throw at us, Saka, Jesus, Odegaard, do I need to go on? You know, any of them in a flash can win in the game. But I just think, I don't know, I just I just think, I almost, sometimes I almost fancy us more against a big team like a Man United when they came down the other week. Quite fancied us yeah. to turn them out. But then if, if Fulham come here or Sheffield United or Burnley, I always think we're going to mess up because we usually do. So, so sometimes, you know, the bigger challenges bring out the, bre- the best in people. And it goes back to my point about around Montiel. I think you'll probably see the real Montiel on Tuesday because he's g- going to be up against a world-class winger. So we'll see what he's all about. And I just think mm. we'll, we'll, we'll rise. And like I said, and I always go on about it, but the crowd at City Ground make all the difference. I watch a load of Premier League games, as, as everybody does. The crowd is dead and off the stadiums. And you think, you know, they're just, they're just sat on their hands expecting... You know, and we're not like that at the moment. There's still that, especially in the, in the situation we're in right now. There's that energy and there's that nervousness and there's that buzz and it drives the team on. So um, I think it's going to be a huge factor. But yeah, I, I fancy it. So I think we'll get something. We'll get a draw. Yeah, yeah. I think we're absolutely better against better teams. I think that's a good point. Like teams that give us opportunity to hit them on the break still, we're better against, definitely. I think the interesting on Tuesday, we should discuss this more on Monday, really, is yeah. Gibbs White starting. Is someone going to sit in that pocket and pick him up much better than Man United did? Because obviously Declan Rice is a world-class player. And will will that happen? You like you want to come in, Chris? No, I just... I, sorry, this is a bit of a, a tangent on the whole thing. I just think it's like you said at the beginning, Matt, you, just there, of your, you know, of your point. We don't know what Forrest is going to turn up. You know what I mean? It could be the Man United one. It could be the Newcastle one. It could be the 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 Brentford one. We we don't know. Um, but at the end of the day, anything it, things can change so fast. We played Spurs and Man United in in, in close proximity. Two teams on similar trajectory. Trajectory. Spurs obviously a bit of a higher trajectory right now. And we turned over Man United at home, and then we, we lost woefully to Spurs. Uh, 2-0 at home. I just think it, we just don't know. And a lot of the players you played against that Man United side at home or that Newcastle side away will be playing on Tuesday, particularly if we get a Langer back. Um, I think I think we've a real opportunity to get some points in these next three games. We, we've got three really close games, close-knit, tight together. Each team is thinking about the next game already in the back of their mind. And this Arsenal game is the start of that. And you look at Arsenal's game before they hammered Palace there at home. Was it Fulham? They lost 2-1 away at Craven Cottage. Fulham, I know they hammered us, but they aren't a great side. They're not a great side. And they just they just they just handily just cruise past Arsenal 2-1 at home. So it is possible. It is about the crowd. I am worried about set pieces, as you say, but ultimately I think we can definitely do it. And we have to make them uncomfortable. We have to go there and make Arsenal feel uncomfortable, like we did with Man United and like we use usually always do at the city ground. That's what will take them down. Uh, right, I agree with that. Well, I think we'll leave it there. Just mopping up a couple of comments. Uh, Chris Wood to Mark Gabriel. Yeah, would be the one who would put Chris Wood on him. He did really well at one set piece today where they had an overload and he 
basically ran into the bloke uh, and did enough to put him off. But yeah, I think Chris Wood's probably our, actually one of our best defenders of set pieces. Uh, Tom asks about his body back for Tuesday. No, because no. the game is the day before, effectively. So whoever loses that, well, they'll, they'll, you know, they'll be back in contention for the following match against Bournemouth, but but not Arsenal, sadly. So yeah, we'll discuss all that in much more depth on uh, Monday with uh, Lewis, Greg, and uh, Emily. Get Lewis's take uh, on the tactics of that Arsenal game. Interested to hear that. So do join us for that if you can. Uh, in the meantime, good to have four hundred people with us after what we've admittedly said. It was a very dour game, so appreciate the company as ever. Um, Mikey, thank you very much. You said that we, we struggled to get past five minutes, given there was so yeah. little action in the game. But we've done 50, so thank you for joining me. Yeah, no problem. I'm, I'm surprised, but it just shows you, even though you know today's game wasn't wasn't the best, there were so many talking points with Forrest, and we've got the transfer deadline coming up, which is going to I mean, it's Forrest in it. Let's be honest, guys. It could be a bit mad. So um, there's always stuff to talk about with Forrest, definitely. Uh, especially while we're in this situation where, you know, we're still we're still waiting for April to come, and it's all back to the wall, and it's it's almost as against the world at the moment. So, yeah, the game was rubbish, but there's always stuff to talk about. And thanks for asking me on that. No problem. Probably the best way. Feel like us against the world. Uh, hopefully, mm. yeah, get some performances out of us. Chris, thank you very much as ever. When's your next podcast for Forest All Over? I think. Probably at some stage early next week, and then I'll probably do a Forest All Over the World one where we bring people on and and get them to talk about their story and maybe even predict some scores in the game, tell us where they're watching the game and stuff. So we'll probably do one or two next week, um, maybe one pre-Arsenal and then one just after that pre-Bournemouth. They're close enough fixtures. So, yeah, it should be good. Thanks for having me on. And, and Mikey, great to be on with you. And uh, really, really appreciate you asking me on again. Um, I'm just glad we didn't lose, you know. I think I was on... The last two losses, so I'm happy. I'm just nil all's fine, even though it was an awful game to watch. <laughs> I'm just happy we didn't happy we didn't lose. And I'd I'd love to I'd love to march on to the fifth round and beat Bristol at home. But yeah, good few home games coming up, which is nice. So but thanks for having me on again. No problem, no problem. Like Mikey says, we're still in the hat. Hopefully we uh, get another decent draw and uh, go all the way to Wembley, stay up and look forward to another uh, successful season in the Premier League. But loads and loads of water's gone to bridge before then and next week's going to be busy with uh, Arsenal, deadline day and then Bournemouth uh, on the Sunday as well. So do join us as much as you can next week. Appreciate the support as ever. Uh, have a good weekend, everyone, and we'll hope to see you on Monday. But in the meantime, we shall see you soon. Sports Social Podcast Network.